Are you looking for inspiration? In need of career guidance? Wondering what path successful people take? Listen up. I am Vibha Kagzi, CEO and founder of reachiv.com, a Harvard alumnus and the author of Break the MBA Code. I'm going to be your host on this weekly show called House of Experts, where you can get an insight into a wide range of career choices directly from industry stalwarts. So buckle up and get ready to take off. Guys, episode 34 uh, of House of Experts. Um, as always, my name is Vibha Kaksi. I am your host for this evening's show. And today we have a very special guest with us, uh, Gunjan Arya, who has uh, built her metal through the media and entertainment space, the advertising space, um, is now the CEO of uh, India's largest media and entertainment company, doing so many things. I'm going to dig deeper into the different verticals uh, OML uh, has ventured into. They've almost built a, a moat around them. Um, and I don't see any other company in India doing what they're doing. So this is super exciting. Um, and uh, lots of exciting stories from Gunjan. So without much ado, I'm going to hand it over to Gunjan to just say a few words to start with, and then I'll kickstart the interview with uh, my favorite questions. So welcome to the show, Gunjan. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here and actually pushing me to do this. For somebody who actually <laughs> works in the media industry, I am very, very media shy. In fact, I, I think my Instagram profile is still a private profile, so... I don't even know how many people, sorry, I, I hope I'm useful to you as a guest, but yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for pushing me. I don't think okay, we awesome. often get to talk about our own stories. This is actually great. I like having people who are, who shy away from the media because I get to get exclusive content that very few people will otherwise have access to. So thank you. I know that you're not uh, someone who likes to be out in the public domain. So this is even more special for me and thank you for doing this. Um, lots of people seem really excited to have you. So firstly, Shalini Goenka says, lovely to see you on this expert series. I'm getting some <laughs> claps. Arya Kiran is obviously clapping. Hello, how are you? All right. All right. Let's, let's get started. So um, first question to you, you know, uh, I, I'm a big believer in this whole Freudian philosophy, right? So I really feel like who we are today goes back to, you know, who we were as children. So Flashback, take me back to your sort of early years, your childhood, your family. What was it like? What was it like growing up? Oh, wow. That's, that could be a long answer, but uh, I'll give you sort of the highlights that I think. Give me the uh, Instagram uh, live version of that answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think uh, just something that we both share is having um, an entrepreneurial family as uh, you know, families that we were born into, so sort of being surrounded by uh, business conversations growing up. But uh, I think there was always a very keen sense on aesthetic. And that's something that I really uh, give both my parents credit for that. And I think that's what really shaped my um, wanting to explore the field of design, marketing, etc. I think early years, there was a time when I was like, I want to be an art teacher when I grow up because those are the people I would emulate. But hmm. uh, no, I think uh, that sort of continued. I also uh, applied to NID. I remember when I wanted to study further and I got in. But um, 
at that point of time you know my granddad who is literally the patriarch of the family um couldn't understand why i wanted to go from bombay to ahmedabad because he and his peers and you know everyone we know in that generation had worked so hard to get our families mm. out of and Dalitan, to bring them Dalitan, to Dalitan, bombay yeah and they like hey we made it to bombay now why would you go from here to ahmedabad there's nothing you could learn in a smaller town go to a bigger city if you have to and he's the one who sort of pushed me to look beyond um, my parents were super supportive and that's how i made it to boston and did um emerson for like for about 3 years worked there did something okay so early early influences were sort of entrepreneurial um they sort of pushed that whole business side of you you're saying yeah yeah okay yeah. what what happened next so you went to the cathedral and you know, any any influences from cathedral that sort of led you to sort of go abroad to study what what was your time at cathedral like um i really enjoyed my time there i think it's very different from what people know of the school uh it was a really really interesting mix we had folks that were scions of business families that were students along with us as well as uh folks that were you know students that were children to parents who were working in the school and that's right. really the group that I, that uh we sort of graduated with and uh yes you're right that cathedral sort of had a bit of the um you know the influence in terms of looking outside the country but like i mentioned my first choice honestly was nid and also like after the 10th i i started working after the 10th um i chose sydney for 11th and 12th because they had no attendance i can say this out loud oh, you, you was, of course yeah i i went there too for the 11th and 12th and it actually <laughs> yeah. worked really well because Absolutely. you get time to take the sats and do all these extra curriculars there so it is actually a great place to be absolutely and i think that kind of helped getting a headway into the advertising industry fairly early on so yeah i started working by uh, by the age of 16 and i feel like i've been doing it forever now wow okay so what made you start working that early right why did you start at at 16 especially coming from an entrepreneurial family uh what happened um wow that's really i don't think i've ever said this out loud to people but I know my parents have had to deal with uh their fair share of tantrums that I was throwing but I had this idea or this ideal notion that by the time I'm 18 I want to be able to own my own house aisa kuch hua nahi because you don't make that much money and definitely not in advertising right um, but um I think the idea of wanting independence and the idea of being able to sort of uh be able to decide for yourself what you want and how to get it I think it was very clear that I wanted to start working early enough to be able to do that soon. Okay, and so the very very early drive towards sort of financial independence. Yes, yes, I think that's something that has been very precious to me since the beginning. Okay. Okay. All right. So you've now said it on a public platform and <laughs> yeah. next time you you say it only much louder next time around. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what happens then? So you ended up at Boston uh, Emerson College. How was that experience, and what happened? Why did you not go to NID, and why did you end up going to Boston? So NID, of course, because there was this insistence on, hey, go to a bigger place, go to a better place. You could learn more from just being in a bigger town than you would learn from being in a smaller town. And I think that was very deeply rooted within how the family thinks. But I think when I ended up at Emerson, it was just 
I'm I'm so grateful that I got into a college like that where things were super super fluid. I pretty much went in saying, "Hey, I don't know what major I want to do." Uh, they had a design your own major program, so as long as you got accepted into the school, you could go there and submit um, a thesis on what you wanted to study. And even if those, even if the class or the program that you designed for yourself includes classes at other universities across Boston, you could actually take that. And that's one of the okay. things that really attracted me towards that program to say, "Oh wow, here is a college that gets." that i'm too young to be able to decide what i want to study right now i'm only 18 um hmm. and if you're willing to be flexible i think i could do this uh, um but of course having spent time at the college with the professors etc i just wanted to study more in the same college and i ended up doing a double major in uh, new media as well as marketing communications and that's something that i was really really grateful for because yeah. a lot of other colleges force you to pick a major and i think we're too young at the age of 18 to be able to decide a major okay um, so you so like the sort of broad buckets as opposed to a very narrow bucket so within marketing communications you break it up into like you know media relations or advertising or pr or any of those things and then you have to further narrow it down that's something i didn't have to choose or force myself to choose at 18 at and such an early age both. yeah yeah so that was okay great so, so you like the flexibility you sort of uh like the fact that you could you know you still designing or you were designing your own major okay um it's very interesting that you actually you've studied this so you actually had a theoretical base in marketing communications media etc um so what you know the stuff you learned at school how did it sort of inspire you and sort of the journey thereafter i mean being being ceo of you know one of india's largest uh, organization that actually incorporates everything you studied in your undergraduate in some capacity um were there, did you see any roots of this at at college and you know how how did that sort of education you feel if if at all propel you uh, towards your current sort of career are there are there any dots there to join i there definitely are i think a lot of what i did in college today is super super useful but more than anything else just getting a liberal arts degree when you're young allow gives you a perspective with which you can view trends and experiences around you and i think that's mm. the value of a liberal arts degree it allows you to contextualize uh things that are happening around you it allows you to see things within um, as they may have happened or unfolded around the world and that is really precious um i think a lot of this even goes um in for even folks that are studying pure tech right um to be able to have a degree that um that is balanced with liberal arts also allows you to place into context what you are then building even sure. on the software side or any of that okay all right so you you enjoy your liberal arts base uh you get this degree from emerson then what happens next what's the story um i started working in an ad agency in boston and i was okay. doing in classes at uh, harvard business school uh oh okay and I think I was doing okay in my career then um the advertising agency actually said hey we're processing your H1B congratulations it's been a year I called my parents to that, to tell them hey guess what this is what my boss just told me their response to that was not oh congratulations their response to that was koi baat nahi which means, oh. <laughs> don't worry about it you're anyways coming home literally my brother was on the next flight to come pick me up 
Oh, really? Because that was the I think that was the framework and the perspective that we were all operating under. That you will go there to study and you will come back to India. I think for them, in any case, sort of like letting their little uh, girl sort of you know start Samandar Par, doing her own thing was scary enough. I think I was also one of the first few uh, women from our uh, family. Family to that, yeah. Actually, I don't. I don't have the. I'm not sure about this, but I think it was early on enough. It wasn't. Um, yeah. as well accepted uh, so i think that's what happened and yeah then i came back and i looked for another job i was obviously very very disappointed to work in any of the indian companies um i came back to actually so why 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 were you doing uh, classes at the business school if you had a base in sort of liberal arts and media and ah this advertising and design why why did you couple it with a business education where where, where are the you know join the dots for us there that's that's again the family i think at one point of my of time my dad was very clear that you know you could have gone abroad to study you could have studied anything at all but till the time you have a degree in business you haven't completed your education mm. and i think that's that's very much driven by how you know the family is used to thinking of what you're supposed to get out of an education so okay. it didn't it didn't matter that i went to the best film school on the east coast it didn't matter that you know i'd worked on a project with martin scorsese it didn't matter that like all of these opportunities that my college afforded me it did not matter at all all that mattered was beta tumne business nahi sikha please finish that while you're still there which is fine right because i mean ultimately you you did ended up you know you ended up running a business Absolutely. um in the space so sort of like the, that whole education in your in your case actually seems to have sort of added up and is is quite complementary to to what you're doing okay let let's fast forward a bit So you you come back to India. You join an ad firm. Uh, what skill set were you picking up? Like what you know? Did, was it was firstly was this planned or was it ad hoc um, in terms of like your career planning? And what skills do you feel like you picked up in these ad firms? So I think my first experience back in India with an ad firm was so disappointing that I actually decided to leave advertising. So I came back. Oh. I started working in a company, and I don't want to say this out loud just because it's going to be super disparaging. But I think it's important for people to to know that folks will maximize opportunities that they can get, and it's important for us to know our value and be able to ask for it. So I came back, um, went to one of the biggest ad agencies in the country, said, "Hey, I would love to work here," and they were surprised that they got cold called because apparently that's not the way things happen. But that's that. is that was my training from um from the US of course the US and yeah. uh, I got a chance to interview there I was working on a desk with two other women um I I was first in the door last out of the door every single day um I had crazy crazy uh, hours as an advertising executive um I was handling about three accounts for them at that point of time and um towards the end of about 6 months i realized that i was getting paid half of the other two women sitting on the same desk as me and not to compare myself because there are no like for likes but sure. just to say that you know somebody with experience somebody with a better degree somebody with all of those things that we take for granted wasn't the way it played out of course sure. me being the annoying millennial that we all think of nowadays i walked into the ceo's office saying i want a job in brand planning and if you don't give me that i'm out of here he obviously said okay leave because he didn't care why not why did he said boss if you don't give me the job i want you i'm heading out and he's like yeah okay you're not that precious to me please carry on 
So I left. Uh, I tried to work with my father for a bit in uh, the steel business. That didn't really work okay. out. It was it's super super patriarchal, and they won't take anyone seriously except for the oldest male member of the family. Um, and I don't think I was cut out for it. I don't think I did a good job at it either. Um, and then I got a call from somebody who actually knew the same advertising agency CEO, um, and. call them and said hey is there someone you know that could look at brand consulting seriously and this is the first brand consulting um company in the country who that was being set up by five maharathis from the ad agency world wow. that came together to set up india's first brand consulting firm and they were actually calling all their older colleagues saying hey is there anyone you would know and the same ceo said hey you can jet was the one who called me and said listen i don't think we were ever really cut out for you but maybe this place is more these guys are <laughs> and sure. that's where i really picked up everything i know about uh brand consulting um those guys were my mentors i learned everything about um the way advertising marketing branding needs to work for businesses from them so this is kiran ah. kanap and nandhanvey who founded chlorophyll um, okay so uh, okay so since since you sort of broached the topic of like you know like everything you learned about brand management and you know, all you were learned here uh share with us share with us like you know maybe three learnings like what you know what what are the key, if, if if you were going to teach me uh brand management um what are three sort of lessons that you would sort of be like look if you don't remember anything else take these three things away about how to manage brands what would they be um i don't think there are three different things but i think this anecdote or maybe this way of thinking about it might help um if you go to say for example um an advertising agency today and say hey i am a mall and i don't get footfall um how can you help me change that problem the advertising agency will respond with what helps them make the most amount of money which is probably an ad film because that's where sure. magic happens and they say hey we will create this beautiful ad film for you it will talk about the joys of spending time inside this mall um and we will run it run so much media on it and that's how you're going to get footfall if you took the same problem to a pr agency they're saying oh because nobody's talking about you so let me get you some press and that's how you're going to get footfall um you know if you went to um a digital marketing agency they'd be like oh that's because your seo sem sucks no one can search for you no one can find you so you sure. need it. uh right sure. but a brand consultant is probably going to come in and say this is what your mall look you know is set up as maybe all you need to do is change the way uh, your facade is structured so you need because your own uh, building is your biggest billboard you need more people to be able to see what's inside and maybe you need to change up the mix so put the food uh, put the food court on the ground floor that's where people come in put the more expensive uh, shops on the first floor because that's what you know queues aspiration and you want to be seen as that sure. space that can command that kind of real estate um, friends and then put put um maybe a cinema hall on the you know on the topmost floor and that's how you're going to get footfall and everybody is going to have enough shoppers uh stopping by so a brand manager works more at the product level itself and i mm. think a lot of this also comes from uh always seeing um businesses as what are the values that they can derive uh for their all their stakeholders i think that goes a long way in running a business knowing um knowing what people want from you and knowing what you can represent as value to others 
Okay. So, so what I'm understanding is as, as a brand consultant, you'd give them sort of very sort of pragmatic, uh, concrete advice on what's actually, what's, what, is, what should the business look like as opposed to like the externalities and surrounding the business. Okay, let's, let's move on from that phase of your life. Let's, let's fast forward to OML because that's where you're currently at. And tell us the journey here. How long have you been with the firm? And what, you know, what has it taken for you to rise from where you started to being CEO of this organization? What's, what's that journey look like? Um, so I actually started with OML about six years ago. Um, I was still running Design of Information then, uh, the brand consulting firm that I'd started and run for about seven years. And at some point of time, um, I got really bored doing that. I honestly wanted to find a way to continue to use those skill sets, but stop selling more plastic shit to the world. Um, and uh, that's why really close friends who had started this company and I got talking and, and the whole, um, the idea here was if I can use those skills to help artists find a bigger voice and create a platform for them, then that would be more a better use of my skills. And that's really what made me make the switch over. Uh, so it was so it, about... it's 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 stemmed from your desire to sort of help artists. Is that what you're saying? Is, is was that the impetus? Absolutely. I think using the skills around brand advertising, marketing, etc., to say, hey, can that be applied to uh, the culture space? Um, that's where that really came from. And yeah, so that was me and about fourteen of us from Design of Information that moved over to OML. Um, at the notice of about a month. Uh, so I shut down that company that we've been oh, wow. running for about eight years. Uh, but it's it's been superb since. So I started out as um, heading the brand solutions team to then actually setting up the unit that um, is now operating in about 20 plus countries. So I did that for about three years and then was made CEO last year. And then you were made CEO last year. Okay. Okay. So, you know, what, what was this? What was the journey like? Like, what you know, at, at every step, um, what were you learning? What sort of skill set were you sort of accumulating that you think led you to them asking you to take on this role? You know, what what is this? What's the skill set you feel you need to manage this sort of organization? I think that they're they're multiple and they're varied, but at the heart of all of of all of them, I think, would be knowing what you can do for people. So if it is, for mm -hmm. example, a client, knowing what you what you could possibly represent to them that would be of value to them. Or, for example, if it's team members, knowing what they're looking at for uh, them to continue to work with you. What is it that they want to get out of that experience at the company? Um, or, for example, when it's working with shareholders, what is it that they're looking to maximize? I think having your eye on that is probably the most useful skill of all. Okay, I like that. It's a very, it's a very unique answer, and, and no one has actually summarized uh, management in, in such a precise but and simple manner. It's, it's just, just, just listening. You, all, all you did is you, you listened well, whether it was your colleagues, your managers, your clients, your stakeholders. You just have to listen. I like that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that one. Sure. Uh, I like it a lot, actually. Okay, so uh, 
let's talk a little bit about oml um just you know i i was on the website it seems like you guys have your hands in uh, many pies can we like maybe take one vertical at a time because you know i when we were trying to design the career spotlight for this i know we went through so much back and forth because you're like well we're not only this we're also this <laughs> but we're also that so let's let's maybe take one vertical let's maybe start with live events um sure. since you know you just had this whole any seven weekend or thing this weekend so t- tell us about live events so what do you guys do and you know what does that vertical look like um so i'm sorry first of all our website is not updated like most companies that are growing too fast or evolving too fast it's always on the back burner and we never really know how much to communicate about ourselves because everything is changing and it's so fluid and i feel like what makes that even worse is because we're in a media space that is evolving so so quickly um but if we'd like to start with one vertical if i may please let's start with uh, artist management if you're okay with that please because go that's for it. yeah yeah started as yep. a company we started okay cool let's let, so let's follow the chronology of the company so let's Thank start you. with artist That's management done word. let's do it so we actually started as an artist management company and mm-hmm. uh, we used to manage independent musicians uh back when representation was really hard to come by and the way the music industry is structured is that the lion's share of revenues that come from streaming or i mean streaming now but earlier it was obviously cd sales etc uh, were made by record labels uh um, sure so that's and we actually started managing musicians and our pitch was hey you don't need a record label company distribute your own music give your music away for free on youtube and youtube was just starting up back then let's make really nice music videos for you and in case and you know when fans stumble upon your work and they they like your work they'll come out and pay for tickets um, okay so that's what actually started the foray into artist management um and that was the um uh, that was our first brush with the music industry it's from there that we actually went into like you said events but okay um, or content or so all the puzzles they all sort of came around building for what artists need so even the content team for example first used to make music videos because that's what the okay. artists we repped back then needed because traditionally that's what a label a record label company would do for you a record label company would build out the music video put it on air make sure you got tv time make sure that you know you were in front in front of enough eyeballs so that you became popular etc and therefore the value on the cd sales etc would go up um luckily for us the internet sort of became as big as it is a phenomenon in all our lives at the right time um and uh, really democratized the way the media landscape is um, has evolved so uh, musicians were able to sort of take control of that and we were able to do that for them and okay, that's really so our, that's the that's how we okay so just, just to get a sense of like you know yeah. uh, numbers and sort of growth in that domain uh how many artists did you you know did you guys start out managing uh, in the beginning um what is that number evolved to now and uh, like okay let's take that one and then i'll ask you a follow up right after that so sure. so we we started managing i think one yeah one musician one. <laughs> we all start with one client so we start with one uh, <laughs> but today we're in fact we've evolved in that space as well today we manage about 
80 plus artists and this the roster wow. is a mix of comedians writers directors influencers creators vloggers um okay magicians. wow so yeah oh, wow. it's really really good so it's it's entertainers overall it's not yeah. prime, it's not only musicians per se right and that i feel like okay. this also parallels the way um consuming content on sure. the internet has evolved as well sure okay so uh, once again you're listening and you're understanding what the customer is looking for and you're ensuring that you're providing the entire suite okay um and you know to just understand like if i were a musician and i'm not uh, but if i were and i came to you um what would you ask me and what would it take for me to convince you to represent me what what does oml look for what do you guys look for sorry let me actually flip that okay technically okay. artists are our clients so it would be the other way so around. you go you go seek out the clients is that as yes as management we would go to you saying hey we're a management agency we believe we can grow your business by x and therefore we'd love for you to work with us so oh is that what happens yeah yes yes of course i mean i understand that artists are your client but i, I was trying to understand like which way does the stream flow you know and it, it sounds like you're saying you would go out and seek out the artists absolutely no well there would be m- multiple ways in which those connections happen and i think at some point of time most of us have met each other um we would bump well when physical interactions were possible we would have bumped into each other at enough gigs but yes that's how it technically would happen when you sit down to finally evaluate hey is this a good idea okay so since since the stream is flowing from oml to the artist uh what is it about an artist that sort of piques your interest right there's so many artists out there there's so many musicians all of them you know sort of dying to get visibility monetize their passions what do you then look for what you know what makes you send them that first email or pick up the phone and call them what what is it about the artist that sort of grips your interest i think at the very beginning it has to be whether we believe we can make a significant difference in their lives at all because honestly and that that's true for most business uh, conversations right you want to be able to deliver something of significant value or else it's just going to be a very very non fruitful and very disappointing conversation for most people both so ways. i think it yeah. is a very clear network effect and that's when i think when we were talking earlier about the various pieces of the puzzle that go together so there is artist management there is content production there where we also work with ott platforms there's also live events where we're also yeah, I, so i I'll, i'll get to i'll get to the the back. different I'll, yeah right but i think I, the reason I, that it would work for an artist would be hey we're able to maximize your revenues when it comes to performance revenues for a live audience or you know an opportunity to build a show with an ott platform an opportunity to do branded gigs for example so bringing that multiplier effect to the artist is what we believe we'd be able to use to drive value for uh, so, so that's what we'd use right so i i get what what you could do right obviously the potential of what you could do to an artist uh is immense what i'm trying to understand is like of all the plethora of artists out there how do you sort of shortlist saying okay you know how did you pick these 80 artists that you're currently working with you know what what is the process it's exactly no so it's exactly this is is the artist in a point in their creative journeys where all of these opportunities are even meaningful to them and if I we're see. able to maximize our network 
to bring those opportunities to them and make that happen that's what would make us go after that conversation okay so you know you know what you have to offer and you're trying to see if this if this artist is going to sort of be able to you know catapult their career using the sort of resources that you have to offer okay cool all right that that makes sense i'm going to quickly read out a comment here by shalini goenka saying uh listeners are always gainers and i am definitely learning a lot from listening to you gunjan love the deep insights which you have simplified so beautifully absolutely concur shalini i actually I, the answers are are so simple and you know you i i love how you sort of completely shattering all my business school jargon and saying look it's not so complicated like i just had to listen so i i'm just i'm loving all the answers um uh, completely contradictory to the way i i i i operate in the quite contradictory to the way other people on the show have uh, responded to similar questions so this is very intriguing okay let's move on to uh, another vertical so we've we've sort of touched upon artist management so that that came first then what happened what what came next a content production actually came next which was okay. like i was telling you earlier which is hey getting the artist visibility which back then meant music videos uh slowly it evolved to building sketches for youtube because that's when we started working with uh comedians and from there it went to doing shows for uh tv channels as well as ott platforms so that's been the evolution on the content side um today of course we're working with almost all major ott networks out there okay so let's go a little bit deeper um, you know in, into this vertical um tell us a little bit about the vertical you know what sort of operating challenges uh, do you face with something like this um and you know and where do you find the balance between sort of the the creative side which your team sort of brings to the table and the creative side that the artist sort of brings to the table right and is there ever a sort of conflict between what the artist wants to project but what do you think as a as the manager uh they should be projecting you know where where is that balance uh, in this equation uh, or, or is it very easy and compatible and everyone says hey you know i'm just going to listen to you which i imagine not so so sort of demystify that piece for us how do, how does this actually pan out so you feigned trying to be an outsider but that's that's a very insider question it feels like you've been given a lot of insight to be able to phrase <laughs> that question uh no but listen the tassel is obviously going to happen I think uh what's great is that we have a working relationship with the artists that we rep um where there is that level of hey what are you seeing that maybe I'm not seeing and that's important because artists are also depending on uh management as a way to be able to shape and guide their careers um mm. and because we're seeing so many conversations across the board so for example when we're in rooms with OTT platforms we know what they're looking to be pitched next for example and we're able to weave that in uh, work on those with the artists that are probably building shows so we're obviously able to take those conversations back and forth till the time something works out and i think having that consultative relationship at all points of time is probably the hallmark of most creative processes it's pretty much impossible to work in a collaborative way and especially with creative endeavors you need to be open to work consultative a relationship and that's that's pretty much every uh, project that we've worked on okay and uh, how long are these uh, sort of you know the the contracts or uh, I, i don't know what you guys call them in your industry but i'm presuming it's just it's just, it, it is a contract how long is the contract with with the artist um and then you know does the original contract have the content management piece built in or is that sort of like a, a separate vertical and it sort of 
looked at in sort of isolation or is this all just like you bring on an artist and you say look here's a suite of things we're going to do for you so i think it's it's uh, so of course there is an exclusive representation contract but that doesn't necessarily include each and every uh, contract that might be born out of various sales uh, pitches that we do right so and each one of those would have their own contract so say we pitched an artist uh, to a brand that would have its own independent contract or if there was um, a show that was finally commissioned by an ott platform then that would be its own uh, independent contract own contract yes okay okay so but when you so sign on the it's art it's much like a master services agreement and then um, and then the, okay uh, Okay so so what goes into like the the master service agreement like what 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 is the what is the first level sort of contract with an artist what does that sort of say that okay look here's what we're going to do for you I think at the base level it's hey can can we at least take the headache of billing and invoicing off your hands it literally starts from there if you're going to do a gig if you need someone to answer the phone for you we'll start there then we'll make sure we follow up on your invoices we'll make sure we take care of the billing i think all the grant work just so that they can purely focus on the creative aspects the of creative. being an artist and not the you know the government aspects of the, of being an entrepreneur and each artist sure. is an entrepreneur at the end of the day so i think with we sort of managing those aspects of compliance etc and that's that's literally at the most basic level then of course the next level is okay what are you doing with your creative career what else are you looking to get out of um you know being a comedian or being um an author or being you know a director what are the kind of shows you want to produce what are the kind of shows you want to write or direct can we get you into rooms with people that would be interested in hearing this so i think those are that's when you start layering on everything else that would make that relationship meaningful both for the artist as well for us okay um just for firstly what i find very interesting is that the fact that you shifted the paradigm and said it's us looking for these artists because Uh, you know having so many artists friends they're constantly just like am i ever going to have somebody sort of manage me take over this burden of you know my accounting and finance which most of them don't want to deal with um and of course they're all looking to be represented so this this is actually is very interesting to me that you know you said you that you're using the word we pitch when we pitch to the artist um you know so it's 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 sort of shifting the paradigm in my head saying it's actually the management company is uh, going after the artist which is very interesting and um actually it's it's kind of the way it should be in the sort of social hierarchy of how things are um who else is pitching what is the competitive landscape like you know if you're pitching to an artist clearly someone else is also going after them so who's going after them who else is going after them sorry i feel like i'm going to break your script again but i think this is what really sets oml apart and i know you mentioned that earlier as well in terms of building a moat uh from other management agencies so there are pure management agencies that exist sure um and oml of course has that management vertical there are agencies that exist that only do uh show production and those are the guys that say for example pitch to ott platforms as well but that's another vertical at oml sure then there is a third vertical of you know live events where again there are companies that only do events and maybe would then come back to us for artists but then there is a vertical that does that as well and then there is a fourth vertical of brand solutions where then we end up competing with the likes of advertising agencies or media agencies wow um and that it's really the fact that we we're, we're sort of larger than the sum of our parts and that's what makes it so meaningful allowing each bucket to really feed off of each other um 
so, so you you've essentially gone and sort of combined four different businesses into one and said look we're just going to take care of everything that you might want to and you're sort of like a one stop shop for all their needs um yes act honestly it's just the way it happened it wasn't i you know hindsight is always 2020 i feel like we all sound like heroes when we look back at our journey but that's not really how it was it was super messy getting here we've been doing this for about 19 years and still finding our feet <laughs> um i think uh, in 2020 we realized that maybe we still need to reinvent the way we rep artists to brands so i feel like it's it's going to be a continuous learning journey but at all points of time our north star has always been what do artists need to thrive and let's go out and build that and let's sure. go out and build that and do it in a meaningful and scaled manner so that we're able to actually help those that you know uh, we sure. can service best which remain the artists at the heart of it okay i'm just i'm just going to use the word uh, super duper humble for you because obviously it, you know i mean i i'm an entrepreneur too and like Sure, I you know hindsight is always twenty twenty, and maybe some of this wasn't sort of uh, you know as strategically planned out as it, as it seems to be. But obviously, as as you said, you were always listening, right? So you you had your feet, um, and more importantly, your ears on the ground. And clearly, you were able to build a very so. You know, well, you're in a business school, right? You built a competitive advantage uh, that people in your industry just don't seem to have, and that's really become your pull. Okay, a uh, quick question here from Shalini Goenka, who says. since these artists are uh, i assume budding and just starting out how does the pricing work for them okay very good question and uh, here's where we want to understand you know the, the vulture mode are you guys vulture mode where you know uh, you know and i'm presuming not because you know you you've had a business that survived 19 years um, and i know you rep some of the most popular artists in the country so uh, this is a great question so tell us a bit about you know the pricing and the seesaw between you know you know who's who's sitting on top of that seesaw <laughs> um okay here's here's something that i deeply believe the price is always right it's what somebody's willing to pay and it's what somebody's willing to accept and it is you you spoken like a true marwadi now this is your marwadi <laughs> jeans uh, kicking in yep I, i'm sure this is something that we both can relate to I, but I, I feel like a lot of your artists are like I've heard this line before from Gunja. <laughs> the price is always right, of course. So here's the thing: it's it's the price that somebody's willing to pay, and especially sure. because um, in the culture space, price actually not just in the culture space. Sorry, I take that back. I think in most industries, it's what people are willing to pay for a certain service at a certain point of time, and at that point of time, if that service is available for that price. Sure. Like it is the right price. It depends, and that can keep changing, right? So in the stock market, for example, right now it's at what it is, is because sure. people have a sense that hey, this is the best place for my money to be parked. So let me pour that sure. money into stock markets because around me, I don't see anything that's doing well. So if right. I put that money into the stock markets, hopefully it will give me X returns in the future, and that's what's driving the prices up. It's sure. Sphere. It's, it's all of those things. on the other side it's similar if there is a general consensus that and exactly what you said these are some of the most popular artists out there if there is that sense of popularity then you're willing to pay a premium for it and that okay. applies to everyone so whoever the commissioning party is if that commissioning party is a brand for a brand endorsement deal if that commissioning party is an ott platform for a show uh you know you're going to be able to command that price and 
going back to the my body jeans the best you can do for your clients then in this case being the artist you run a bidding war you go to everybody yeah. else who might want a similar service and say who hey who's willing to pay and that's how you drive prices up for these artists hmm okay wow this this sounds like a lot of fun and uh, uh it's like the stock market you know you wake up every morning and it's sort of you don't know what to expect and uh you've got to sort of convince yourself that this is the right price and it's it's very difficult to do right and even at this price there are people who are going out and buying so um as a manager i can only imagine like when you know you're sort of negotiating these contracts you know it's it's still tricky right because you're just like if you're going to put down this sort of contract is this uh is this the sort of bet that's going to pan out for you as well as the artist uh for the next year or two so that there is an there's an element of you know luck and chance in this as well I, i mean i don't know how much you've been able to sort of crack a formula because you work in the creative space which is obviously tricky no of course so there is a lot of data that sort of goes into understanding uh popularity matrices and yeah, like, yeah. especially because social media allows that right uh, which sure. is, uh giving us a sense of okay how are you know your follower count your engagement numbers uh. etc and but that to me is still retrospective if you did everything that the numbers were telling you which is oh you know when you put out a song that sounds like this these are the kind this you'll hit x million views um to me that's still retrospective but creativity at the end of the day is still inherently a human effort so sure. i think it's important to just look at data and numbers as guiding principles or maybe even just indicators of what success might look like but at the end sure. of the day it's all still a creative effort and i would i would leave that to the artist because that's what they do best that's what they do best okay cool all right um let's uh i'm just going okay thanks rishabh bhanar marwari they all teasing about the marwari a boswal taru chandra says way to go all right guys thanks for your comments uh someone's asking about live events so let's let's move there what's what's the third vertical live events i think live events all right yeah. let's talk about live events so why live events um of course we've gone from live to digital tell us a bit about that like the the why the live events space um considering there's you know big companies in the live event space in india who purely do live events and uh, you know i've had some on the show and they say my strength is the fact that i purely focus on live events you know and i'm able to drive through economies of scale this business as opposed to a company like yours which has oh we have our people for different things um so so why live events for you so live events because artists first we literally sure. started any seven weekend as um a music festival for independent musicians to find a bigger platform and that's literally i was, I was like i was saying earlier literally every vertical that we've built at oman has been to service that core community of artists better and then we found a way to do it in a meaningful way at scale and scale is important because that's when you're able to drive economy to scale you're able sure. to it's not just being able to service again those artists but everybody else that comes along and makes that possible as well right so for example even the brands that sponsor the um, you know the artists that participate or you know the teams that work on it unless and until you do it in a meaningful way it's it becomes um not as optimized an experience or uh, it's not as uh, fulfilling um as a business initiative itself so i think it's important to do what you do at scale to be able to just drive maximum value 
Okay, so it was yeah, uh, so you I, wanted the scale element. You wanted the artist first, and you yeah. you felt like that sort of a gap that you needed to fulfill. And I think we have a specific point of view even in the live events business. So yes, there are live events companies that then do everything from um, corporate events to weddings to um, you know large scale festivals. But for us, we were able to focus purely on. culture-based events so we started with any seven weekender which very quickly grew to become one of the largest music festivals in the country sure so then for example doing youtube fan fest in india which is the largest fan fest that youtube does anywhere around the world and we've sure. been doing that in india for the last uh, six or seven years now then we work with brands like red bull and levi's where we we do this uh, we do this college activation program for red bull called the red bull tour bus it's a tour it's literally a bus that tours from college to college and the roof flips open into a stage and musicians wow. come the bus so uh, for rolling stones okay been, wow uh, we've been doing that for about 5 5 years as well so again doing these things at scale doing them in a meaningful way and making it work for the brands that are obviously uh being able to use these as culture marketing vehicles um sure that work for them okay all right uh it it sounds like a lot of sort of you know i, I keep hearing this over and over again it's it's a very customer centric uh outlook and approach you know it's 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 constantly coming up in in every answer you're giving me um let's take a couple of questions here so okay let's since you're on nh7 let's take abel's question who says what was the experience like shifting it to online so i know it happened this weekend um what sort of response did you get and you know quick one or two challenges of of going from uh on offline to online and some of the benefits of actually doing that you know i'm sure, i'm sure there were myriad benefits of taking it digital as well um so we of course all miss being on ground i don't think you can make up for that experience of being on ground with 10000 other people hearing the same song and vibing to that uh but to make up for that and especially a multi stage multi genre music festival i remember the first year we started that about 10 years ago and people got the schedule they were like hey there are three acts performing at the same time where do i go uh the response to that was go wherever you wish and leave in the middle of the performance go to the next stage because you will discover something new um sure so from that to you know building up to the last 10 years to now where people are sort of used to the idea of okay multiple things happening in the same venue at the same time taking that online meant building a platform where you can toggle between stages so you can literally go okay i'm i'm bored of this now let me go to the next thing and which is obviously something that all of us are very familiar with uh, when we're sure. used to now consuming content on youtube etc where there's always more content out there and you have the sense of like acha what way sure. next uh, so one was that the other was actually giving people a sense of community because you want to be able to watch a festival with other people there are three ways in which you enjoy a festival you go there for the for the programming and that we we made sure we worked with artists very closely to build entirely uniquely curated sets for the fans of this festival the second which were exclusively program, only visible at that festival right so that content is not going to be leaked out in any capacity absolutely absolutely so that was the that's one right which is just what you're going to watch. the pure content yeah the pure content of it the second is the uh, the people you go with to enjoy the festival and that's sure. why we actually built a global chat so you can talk to other people on the platform you can leave messages other people are leaving messages so you get a sense of community that oh there is somebody else sure. doing this sure. we also built a spotlight feature 
which is you can send in a 15 second video clip of you enjoying the festival at home and it was just nice to see other people in that ah. crowd watching is a big part of going to an on ground event you just want to sure. see who came right so that was there and then there was a private party feature as well where you can get into a small room with just your and watch with your friends nice and watch and you can see them as well so it's it's okay. like a zoom call integrated into uh the festival okay. watching it. so so clearly a lot of work went into uh sort of uh replicating the offline experience and in, in many ways enhancing it okay uh you know in the interest of time and i'm seeing a couple of questions here going to take this question from vamsi dasit dasetti who says how do you preserve the startup culture within your organization while scaling up um why preserving the creativity and innovation focus okay thanks vamsi for that question a very pertinent one um uh, so you know you got the question right like the whole scale yeah. versus creativity and innovation and where, you know how how we are balancing that so honestly we we don't have a choice uh we really have uh, we need to make sure we're at our creative and nimble best especially because the media landscape itself evolves so quickly um and i think one of the biggest things that we've learned is that while startups struggle with scale it's the more established companies that struggle with speed and for us speed is something that we've always valued um it's what's allowed us for example to flip so quickly to an online platform um in this year where we were able to build this along with our partners at insider uh in terms of building out this online platform and now we're actually hoping to do this for audiences globally so it's really about making sure we're constantly nimble making sure that our teams have what they need to be able to deliver and also really looking out for how they're growing as well i it really just comes back to learning from them and saying hey what do you need what are you seeing that's cool what are you seeing that's uh, applicable and changing in the media and culture space we're going to learn from you Okay, you got those years on the ground as always. Um, gonna just read out a compliment from Hira, who says, "Gunjan, you're very hardworking and very disciplined. That's why you've got so much success in life. Keep it going." Okay. <laughs> I think I honestly, uh, this is what I'm hearing. I think this is just you know the tip of the iceberg. Uh, you know, just having followed and you know, personally, firsthand seen your journey over the last literally thirty years more and more and more. uh it's quite commendable actually where you've gone and you know what you've managed to build of yourself um and all the organizations that have been fortunate to have you uh you know quick quick last couple of minutes and uh, oh nikila palat says my inspiration how sweet okay uh quick quick last words gunjan you know just you know where where do you see this this space going you know there's so much going on and as you said you know it's it's speed over scale um explosion in the ott space what what what's it looking like if if you're going to be a clairvoyant for us and say okay next 5 years when this ball is sort of shining what 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 do you think is going to happen so no crystal ball here but i think something that's very clear and sort of has happened already and um i feel like covid has just sort of accelerated that is that all of us now are curating what we want to see when we want to see it and i think all of us are um becoming super choosy and super picky about what we want to do with our time and how we want to spend it and who we want to spend it with um we're all sort of catering to audiences of one so for example even when you and i are speaking the the folks that are you know tuned into this conversation have chosen to listen to this conversation that's sure. very different from the way the media landscape was 
uh, even five years ago. And I feel sure. like this trend is something that's going to only continue. So it's really important to make sure. Again, I I hate to harp on that, but knowing who those audiences are because. you at the end of the day you might be doing it at scale but each and every single audience member has to choose to want to hear or see what you put together okay okay um on that note uh i'm going to have to end the show because we're running out of time um but this has been absolutely fabulous and uh, you know i've learned so much from you actually because uh you you know you you've been able to synthesize you know your life your career given us a peek into this industry um you you you've said everything sort of in 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 a much simplified manner you've kept it so candid um so you've said what i've heard before but you you've said it only much louder and yeah. thank you for doing that <laughs> and um i'm going to let you go and thank you all for listening as and as gunjan rightly said uh, you know all of us have so many options um i i know i have a list of like shows to watch and i know gunjan you have so many things on your plate but you were you were generous enough to share your time and thank you for the audience to listen tarki banika gupta mr abhinav verma shalini thank you for your questions of course uh, kiran arya dipna 25 panki nikila wamsi abel uh, guys thank you all for your comments and questions this has been really fabulous oscar good to see you here it's been a long time since i haven't met you sharan singh i mean this 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 i i can't read all the names there's so many people but uh, everyone listening thank you for listening and it's been great having you all Uh, thank, thank you, you Kiran Arya great session of course um i'm going to force you to do many more things uh, <laughs> coming up in 2021 so beware this is just the beginning but thank you so much gunjan really appreciate it and i i'll let you leave thank you so much all right guys i was episode 34 of house of experts uh we'll be back next week with yet another episode If there's a specific career that you want to learn about, or a specific guest that you uh, know or you want to recommend, uh, I'd be happy to bring them on. But until then, thank you for watching and thanks for the interactions. Um, lots of inspiration. Uh, as I always say, I started the show to uh, share knowledge with other people, and I end up learning so much more from every guest. And I hope this has been a good learning experience for you. Uh, this clipping will, of course, be on uh, Reach IV's page. Uh, of course, it'll be on Spotify, Apple, all the other podcast platforms. and on youtube and on our website reachiv.com so whatever's your favorite platform you'll find this content over there have a good evening and uh, signing off this is vibha kagzi and have a good evening take care